0: Thought provoking stories and insights from around the globe by your favorite athletes. This is the Athletes Obsession brought to you by Obsession. This week on the podcast, I talk to James Craig, a professional soccer player who went from playing with just a ball and a wall to playing across the globe. Welcome in to this week's edition of. The Athletes Obsession podcast brought to you by Obsession. My name is Dalton Allison, and today I am joined by professional soccer player, James Craig. How are you doing today, James? I'm doing fine, Dalton. How about yourself? Oh, I'm I'm doing great today. I'm so happy to have you on. And since this is the Athletes Obsession podcast, I got to start off with this question. What is your
1: obsession? I think for me... My obsession is success. So no matter what I'm doing or how I'm doing it, I like to give it on my all. So hundred percent full throttle um, the entire time I'm doing it.
0: What kind of steps do you take to ensure that you're successful in your endeavors?
1: I like that. So first I like to analyze what I'm supposed to do. Whether it's a big task or a small task to me, I like to weigh it up, see what the best way to approach it is. I know a lot of people, Kind of rush head first into things but i'm more of a analytical type and then from there i just follow what my gut feels is the correct thing to do without fear of failure so if i do fail let's say i'm incorrect in analyzing and i fail somewhere in the middle where i should be doing well in my in my head at least i like to again take a step back evaluate why i failed maybe tweak something here or there and then go from there yeah, that's interesting and it's a great
0: perspective of how to view this crazy journey of life that we're all on right now and your journey whether it be to success or whatever your motive was behind it is soccer and right. you know it starts
1: at a lot of people for a young age when did you first touch a soccer ball so my earliest memory of touching a soccer ball was when about five years old in my hometown That's the age that you had to be to play organized sports. So that's when my parents signed me up for pretty much everything, but they knew nothing about soccer at that time. So I'm happy that they even gave me a shot at that.
0: Now, what hometown was this where you first started playing soccer? And, you know, is there a big
1: soccer community there? So I'm from Collinsville, Virginia. That's a really small town in Virginia. They did not have a huge soccer community. As I continued to grow and play and stuff, not because of me personally, but our soccer community did grow and then I was able to to take advantage of that. But recently we've had players as, as big as Mia Hamm come and do like a soccer combine in Virginia. So that's been really good for Martinsville. Wow. What has it been like for you then to
0: see that growth from when you first started playing soccer there to having someone like Mia Hamm come in and do clinics?
1: Man, it's it's been phenomenal. I was one of a handful of people to start playing soccer around that time and just to see people get interested and a lot of players that I played with personally go to division one colleges or go places to play and then myself go play just to see the culture grow and for kids now to kind of have people to look up look up to it's just been unreal
0: and to get to that division one level or even in your case the professional level a lot of times in adolescence the people who make it to that accelerated level find themselves in the position where they're taking the game just more seriously than the others around them. Was there one person in your life that inspired you to take the beautiful game
1: seriously? I think the credit for that would have to go to my former high school coach before my freshman year, a lot of people rated me as a decently good footballer. Now I wasn't like a Messi or Ronaldo at a younger age, but it was common knowledge that I was a pretty decent soccer player. But that year, Man, coach ripped me apart. I remember the first part of tryouts, he was just pointing out flaw after flaw. And I honestly didn't even make that varsity team that year. I was really embarrassed, but I decided to use those words as fuel. And don't get me wrong, the coach and I have an amazing relationship now. But after you put a fire under me like that, I can never be content with complacency anymore.
0: That kind of feeling of wanting to avoid complacency can really fuel you. So from that point on, what was your soccer journey like in high school? So
1: I took a page out of uh, Michael Jordan's book. He also did not make his varsity team for basketball his freshman year, but he didn't let it stop him. He worked all through summer and really just took what the coaches said he wasn't good at and made them kind of look at it and be like, I'm way better than what you thought you were. So a lot of my season. And then the summer season after that was just me and a, me, a ball and a wall, uh, just passing relentlessly against the wall working on, he said, I had a bad left foot. So I was working on that, working on my passing, my one V one defending all of that. And really, I think it just helped create the worth ethic that I have today.
0: Now, a lot of times when it's just you, the ball, and the wall, and that's something that a lot of athletes, they have that, that moment of reckoning where it's them just practicing in front of no one and putting in the work that really helps them accelerate on the field, you know. Um, yeah. When it was just you, the ball, and the wall, was there one favorite player maybe that you were watching when you were growing up that you were trying to Model your game after as you were doing those one v one games against yourself on the wall.
1: <laughs> I think Donny Alves was just like the the biggest player in my mind. Um, he's also a right back, um, as am I. So watching him just like explode up the field on the ball uh, in the attack, and then just be a shutdown wall on defense really inspired me to to add some of what he could do. On the field for Barcelona to my Arsenal.
0: Wow! Now, how much did the the wall that you were playing with? Uh, how much? How big of a part did that play in you becoming a wall on defense?
1: <laughs> I think the wall aspect of it was was really good for me going forward. Uh, it's kind of hard to work on that aspect defending, um, but I I use that just as a, I pass the ball against the wall and then shadowed wherever the ball would go and use that as like a prediction, if you will, because um, at the higher level, you know, it's about one or two touch passing. So it's more of a mental game. If you will, you kind of have to read your opponent, prepare what's going to happen and then re- not necessarily react, but be able to act before it happens. Cause if you're always caught reacting. You're always on your heels. And if you're always on your heels, then, you know, the tricky winger the fast winger whatever you have in front of you is going to get past you. Um, so, being able to just kind of pass the ball and then respond in a way. um, Kept me on my toes. Now, was
0: it there when you were with the wall or was it some other moment in time where you decided that you were going to transition soccer from just a passion that you loved playing into a career that you were passionate about and are still following
1: through to on this day? I mean, honestly, I always thought I'd be a professional footballer. It's really something I talked about all the time when I was growing up. And in fact, when I signed my first contract, the people I was closest with told me I wouldn't shut up about it uh, when we were younger, so. (laughs) Yeah,
0: that's awesome. But before you got to those pro ranks, you spent a couple seasons in college. What was the college game like for you?
1: So college was interesting. It was. When i first got there i realized that i was severely undersized um i was getting knocked off the ball a lot so uh, i took a lot of i would say damage <laughs> if you will towards as as injuries go but also i i learned a lot mentally i learned that a lot of players even at the college level were looking at that as kind of their their plateau where they could just stop and be comfortable and complacent where uh, i was one of the minority, if you will, that wanted to push on into the professional ranks. And after a couple
0: seasons playing collegiate ball, you did sign a pro contract and you've been lucky enough to have the opportunity to travel the world, playing the game that you loved. Your passport's been stamped by a whole bunch of different countries you've played in. Now, what did you learn from the opportunity to play in different areas of the world through something that you love?
1: I think first and foremost, I learned how much a blessing it is to even be able to travel, you know? Like the world itself is a beautiful place and a lot of people don't get to see it, but just because I'm pretty good at kicking a soccer ball around, I've been able to see a lot. And again, growing up in a small town, it's really challenged my perspective, challenged me to get out of my comfort zone, you know, traveling in different places, playing and staying in different places and areas. So I've been blessed enough to do that. And now I've got the occasional story to tell.
0: Yeah. And and something though that comes with traveling and playing in different leagues across the globe, and a lot of people don't realize this, is that the game is different depending on where you go. What was the most difficult part of transitioning your game from
1: country to country? I think for me, learning playing styles and the system for each team that I've been playing for but also keeping my own unique flair. So for example, in Sweden, it's very common for their outside backs to sit a little deeper and ping or like hit a long ball diagonally across the field into a winger's foot, just to exploit that space between the opposing defensive line and the goalkeeper. Whereas growing up in the US, we're often told to get into the attack, be in the offensive third, and then create a pass for a cross in the box. So becoming a chameleon with having all of that in your arsenal or leaving adapting so you can defend it has been super challenging, but rewarding as well.
0: What was the most difficult place to play for you?
1: That's a good question. I would say initially Sweden, um, just because of how they, everyone was so good with the long pass, you know, and when I first got off the plane, we had a match. The next, I, I think it was the same day. And so, being a jet lagged it's about a six-hour time difference. I remember that. And no matter who had the ball, you had to be prepared for a long ball over the top. But at the same time, you had to be able to defend the ball into the feet of your striker or winger or whoever you were defending. All those factors kind of kind of added up. But it was, it was an interesting experience, but a very fun one.
0: Wow, so that's insane. You went from going on a, a long flight to a, a six-hour time difference, and you had to play that same day? What was that like?
1: It was, <laughs> you know, you think you're prepared for it. And then you get on the pitch or you start warming up and you realize that you don't have your legs about you. I was fortunate enough to come into the second half. So I was able to regather my thoughts, take a seat, take a breather, just really take in the atmosphere before just being thrown onto the pitch. Yeah, I, I think those type of moments are the best time because I, I enjoy the pressure, I enjoy, More than anything else, I just enjoy, I guess, being the underdog, if you will. Was
0: there anything that you learned from when it was just you, the ball, and the wall that you applied to that moment, stepping off the plane in Sweden, getting
1: ready to play on that day? So I'm a firm believer that what you play like you practice. And so I'm really hard on myself. I think I'm one of if not my biggest critic and so i try not to take it too easily when i'm out there like training so that when i step onto the pitch it's it's like the same thing it's like i I, all i did was put on different clothes and so the calmness and composure aspect if you will of just kind of performing in front of the wall i felt that when i was performing in front of this other team in front of these, these opposition fans and so i felt like i was able to Really just transitioned from kid um, in front of a wall in a small town in Virginia to athlete in Sweden playing in front of fans.
0: One of the interesting things about bouncing from country to country playing the game that you love is that sometimes some language barriers can come up. How did you use soccer as your universal language in the countries that you've had the opportunity to play in?
1: I think soccer speaks so much just to everyone. Like you don't have to be able to speak, like you said, you don't have to speak the same language to understand what's going on the pitch. And so I can't name the times that I've been on the pitch with someone or more than one person that doesn't speak the same language, but just through performances or body language or just pointing or head nods, uh, we've been able to express ourselves as, as as an artist would. And I thank God that it is a game of expression. And so it's allowed me to connect with those guys, even if we don't speak the same language.
0: Now, what do you take from those lessons of, you know, not necessarily speaking the same language as someone, but understanding their expressions and understanding the way how they're gonna play the game? And what did you learn from that, that you now apply to your everyday life back in the States?
1: I think first and foremost, I try to give everyone the benefit of the doubt. I know that sounds kind of funny, but there's a lot of times where on the ball, especially when you just meet someone or, you know, again, you don't speak the same language you, that you have intentions and they may have intentions intentions as well. But just because you don't are able to communicate well or don't know to communicate well, you don't know what their intentions are. And so giving them the benefit of the doubt can help you heaps. It allows me to be patient with them. It allows me to try to understand where they're coming from. It allows me to see things from their perspective as well. And so I think those are three things that transition well, definitely off the pitch, but on the pitch as well.
0: If you could change anything about your journey so far, would you?
1: gonna sound a little corny but i don't think i would change anything to be honest i'm a firm believer that everything happens for a reason and it's all for the glory of god whether it's a good or bad thing and it's all shaped me into the player and more importantly the man i am today so i don't think i'd change anything for the world was there any
0: point in your journey that you thought about stopping but something kept you going
1: oh definitely i had a season-ending injury in 2018 when I was in Australia. My leg was uh, broken with about four games left in the season. And I mean, there's a long period there where I, I thought about it, you know, I, I cried about it, I prayed about it. I was like, if, if it's over, then don't let me get fit again. You know, like if it's over, don't let me put in the hours, don't let me Struggle. I don't want to worry about it if it's not something that's going to happen again. And through that time, through that period, I just felt reassurance, I felt peace. I felt like I just felt passionate about the game, you know, um, even though I wasn't able to play. And it honestly bothered me to sit there and watch. But I'm happy I've never given up.
0: And I think I can speak for myself and everyone who's listening that we're also happy that you didn't give up so that you can share your story with us today, because the words that you're speaking are just, they're so valuable, especially to someone who might be thinking about giving up on that dream, that passion of becoming the athlete that they want to be. What would you say to someone who is maybe in the same situation as you were and thinking about giving up?
1: To that person, I'd say you'd have to be your own biggest advocate. Now, a lot of people will support you when you're doing well and you know when you're not doing well they won't necessarily be there i had a few people that were in my corner but not everyone that was that was there when i was doing well and so you have to figure out if if you're passionate about the game for you or if you're passionate about the game for what it brings or the people around you or what perceptions you have for the game and if it's for you if for example, like working a nine to five sounds sounds ghastly to you. And sit and working on the pitch day in, day out sounds like a like a dream. Chase it. But chase it for that, not for what it may bring.
0: Your faith has been a guiding light for you throughout your career. Stepping off the pitch now, how did you use your faith as a source of inspiration during this past, you know, challenging year that was filled with COVID-19 pandemic restrictions?
1: Well, the Bible itself says, uh, consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face many trials. And that verse has been so inspirational through that injury I was talking about and through this time with COVID-19. But I think the biggest thing has just been remembering that I'm not playing for the name that's on the back of my jersey, but for the God that leads me forward. I just really wanna bring him glory it's, it's been a blessing that it's been, I've been able to do so while playing soccer on the pitch, but if that was something where he called me to go to the Philippines or something like that, I'd be on the next plane.
0: Now, James, as we're starting to wrap up here on the podcast, if someone were to book an experience with you on Obsesh, what
1: would they expect to receive? Again, it's been a blessing just to be able to travel and play and even be a, a trainer and a coach for a period of time. So I'm honestly able to help with anything, whether it's the mental aspect, offside, outside of the game, again, like struggling through the injuries and things like that. I can help you with that, but on the pitch, expect to work hard, expect to challenge yourself, expect to highlight your weaknesses and for them to not be weaknesses anymore for them to eventually turn into strengths that you have and continue to sharpen your strengths as well. That's what I'm all about.
0: Now, I know you're going to be taking some time off right now for training as you're getting ready, but if fans wanted to follow you on social media, where could
1: they do so? I'm on Instagram at Craig Soccer Business. You can follow me on LinkedIn as well. Just search James Craig.
0: Awesome. Well, thank you so much, James, for being on the Athletes Obsession podcast today. It was a pleasure to have you on. It's been a pleasure. Thank
1: you so much, Dolph. Appreciate it.